And I'd like you to turn again, and it will be our last teaching um, in the book of Romans chapter 8. And so turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, please. And uh, it really is a fantastic chapter, as Ken referred to it so well last week, that it really is a work of art when theologians refer back to it. For me personally, if I had to go to an island and um, I could take one page of the Word of God with me, I think it would be Romans chapter 8. It's just an incredible passage of Scripture that tells us so much about God. But it doesn't only tell us so much about God. It also reveals so much about us. And not only about us, it also speaks so clearly about the lives that we live and the circumstances surrounding our lives. Um, Romans chapter 8 is a real gem. It's a reading that we have inspired by the Holy Spirit, real events that are brought before us. And what is wonderful, it shows the side of Christianity that is very real to every single one of us. So we've been speaking about God being with you and God being for you. And those two terms are interchangeable. And um, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at God being for you in your struggle against sin. We've looked at God being for you and present with you in your suffering. And Ken spoke so well on God being for you and fighting with you when you are faced with overwhelming odds. We know that God is fighting for us. We know that God is on our side. And it's by virtue of the covenant relationship that was sealed with us that day when Jesus died on the cross for us. It was the closing of the old covenant and it brought us into the new covenant, which the Hebrew writer says is a covenant with better promises, and it's a stronger covenant because it is a covenant that is based on God taking the initiative towards us. And um, we see that God was looking for us. We weren't really looking for him. You know that, that phrase, well, we were looking for God. No, God was there looking for us. God was drawing us towards him. And when God saves his people, he also keeps his people. And that is a wonderful truth. Whatever he saves, he keeps. And Romans chapter 8 is so clear in telling us about that. And when he keeps us, my friends, you can be assured of the fact that he fights for you. You are a part of his family. It's a better person in the new covenant, which is Jesus that the promises are based on. Jesus isn't up and down like you and I are. He's consistent. He is God. And our faith rests on his unfailing love and our faith rests on his faithfulness, which is unceasing. And so I hope that Romans chapter 8 has gotten into your heart and spirit 
Because what I would like to speak about today is not so much the God factor, where he is for us, he is fighting for us, um, um, and he is with us, because we've established that he is all of those things, unequivocally. His presence is with you every moment of the day. He's for you. Who can be against you? That wonderful scripture in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can actually be against us? I would like us to focus on us today. Because you see, oftentimes the problem isn't so much with God in this journey that we're on. It is actually more with us, the man factor. I want to speak to you about God is with you in the fight. We know that. But I want to encourage you not to give up and not to quit. Because this is what Romans chapter 8 is speaking about as well. He is speaking about you and I. He recognizes, Paul does, that this journey that we are on at times is a struggle. This journey that we are on oftentimes is, uh, it, it involves suffering. This journey that we are on, oftentimes it feels like that we face overwhelming odds. And it's not so much that God is not equal to the task. I want to ask you and I whether we are equal to the task. I just want to say, I want to walk into your dining room today, into your lounge, into your home. I want to walk up to the guys here today. And I want to ask you the question, are you up for the task? How are you doing? We know God is doing great, but how are you doing within the journey? Are you at a point where the struggle is almost too much for you? You've tried to quit that sin. You've tried to turn off the computer when that pornographic photos come up. I know I was watching a movie this week and as I was watching the movie there was a compromising scene and oftentimes of course you can press the button and it goes further but and, uh, and, and it just goes further very quickly fast forward and you don't see anything but as that compromising scene came up there was within my spirit kind of like a, a sense of this is so ungodly and I, I just turned it off and I, did, I, I, I don't need to see those things not even fast forward my friends, it is that type of thing. What is your struggle at the moment? Are you overcoming that sin with you? It's about you. God is there. God has all of the resources available for you. But how are you doing in your struggle against sin? You know, for those of you who are suffering at the moment and circumstances are not ideal, you and your husband are at a point where you almost want to give up on the marriage. Or you are in a situation where you are suffering and you've got pain and the pain is unceasing and unending. It is debilitating within your life. My, uh, Romans chapter 8 is asking you the question today. Um, 
Paul is saying, how are you doing? The Bible is concerned about us. It is a real book. Our God is a real God. It's about you. How are you doing when you are looking at your job and it just seems so insurmountable within your life? My oldest son, um, who's a professional sportsman, he's a cricketer, has just entered into a public job, as it were. Yes, cricket is a job, but he's entering into a five uh, to an eight to five job. You know, and he said to me the other day, Dad, it is just so much information. And sometimes within our job situation, you know, it is just so much. I was speaking to one of the men here today who's been also involved in, in developing um, just the, uh, 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 just the anti, uh, sorry? The vaccine, thank you so much, Adam. You see, I need people here with us here. And he's involved in the vaccine, and he just said to me, Pierre, we've, we've gotten to that place where it is out, but it's been so much work. Yet sometimes the odds, even in our workplace, is just stacked up against us. And, you know, how are you doing? How are you facing it, the mother at home? And, you know, we have mothers coming into the church with their children during the week because there's a little bit more space for them to play, you know. And, of course, they can't do it at home also because it's too small. And the mothers are just facing overwhelming odds with COVID-19. We forget about the mothers at home with the children. How are you doing? You know, do you almost feel like giving up? And the problem is that when we feel like giving up, we may stay in the task but we revert to bad habits. We do things that will not help us when COVID-19 is finished. We will develop patterns of behavior that will enslave us. I want to ask you the question, how are you doing today within the struggle? Because at times, life can be a struggle. Romans chapter 8 verses 22 to 30 speaks to us in this regard. And so hear God speak to you as I read the scripture here for us. Reading from verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The whole creation, there's pains going on. And there may be some pains going on within your life as well. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship or daughtership, to the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is not seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. 
And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he also called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so as the Spirit of God teaches us just about God's heart for us, as we go through this very difficult time where some of us feel like almost giving up, God is saying to us within his word, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us is praying for us with groanings that we do not even know. Words inside of us that we cannot even utter. And it says that God searches those things within our hearts and, and he presents it, as it were, to himself. And even when you and I are going through very, very difficult times within our lives, God is not standing far off. My friends, he is actually with us in us. He is actually praying inside of us with us. That means in our inner being where God lives, he is, while we're going through this difficulty, he is strengthening us through the Holy Spirit. The problem is outwardly and in the world that we're living in, we experience all of the doubt that we see around us. We don't see God delivering us from this trial soon. We are in the very midst of it. We're confused. We're angry. We're really, really disappointed. We've been let down. That's the way that we feel. But it's amazing how God is not deterred by our reactions. He is 100% committed to you in the battle. And that is what Romans chapter 8 is actually saying to us. Romans chapter 8 says, and the key verse here is in Romans chapter 8 verse 25, which says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Let me read it again. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Hope is waiting for something that we don't have yet. And oftentimes, Hebrews chapter 8, well, this is one of the key thoughts in Hebrews chapter 8, because the Hebrew, um, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 8, Paul says that even the creation is hoping for its redemption. It cries out to God. He says the believer in the state that we are in haven't yet received all that God has promised. Because some of the things that God has promised, we're not going to receive here on earth. Those things will be given to us in the fullness of time. But he says, we're hoping for it 
and God will give it to us. There are some things that we will, and we need to push through those very difficult times so that God's salvation can come, so that God can deliver us from those things which are limiting us here on earth. And so the, uh, Paul is saying here, he says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And I want to encourage you who are facing these huge things within your lives, whether it's in the form of a struggle, whether it's in the form of sin, suffering, or you just feel overwhelmed with what's going on around you, I want you to know that God is for you in it. And I want you to know as well that you are equal to the task. You don't have to give up. You don't have to quit. You don't have to look for another way out. My friends, God has placed within you that strength for you to endure and persevere. Whatever situation that you're finding yourself in right now, whether it's just suffering, that means it is of your own free will that you did some things and you've put in a situation that you can't get out of, or if you are in this situation because of unjust suffering, God placed you in this situation, and it is for his glory, it is for the gospel's sake, it doesn't matter which one you're in, whether it's of your own making or God's making, God is in the very midst of you in that situation. And he's giving you the strength to walk through that situation. Don't look for easy ways out. My friends, nine out of ten times an easy way out is a way out into continued difficulty. And there is no peace found in that. But this which God has placed you in, my friends, and where you are at now, God will lead you through it. Because he, Romans chapter 8 says, and we know that all things that God works it for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That situation that you find yourself in, God is using those situations and he's using it for your good. You need a little bit, for a little bit of faith to believe that, but my friends, don't quit. Don't look for another way out. Trust that God is in it with you. But for us to do that, my friends, we need to be patient. And that's another key thought within this passage of Scripture. Yes, troubles comes to those who are godly, absolutely. There's suffering for us who want to do things God's way, absolutely. Romans chapter 8 tells us about that. Yes, Romans chapter 8 tells us that God is inwardly strengthening us during this process because the Spirit is working within us. Very clear in Romans chapter 8. God is strengthening you. And then, of course, during this process of strengthening, Romans chapter 8 encourages us to hope for God's deliverance. And while we're hoping for God's deliverance, we need to be patient and we need to be persistent. Um, when you look at the word patience here, 
that Paul is referring to in chapter 8, verse 25, where he says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. This word patiently is intertwined with the word persistently. In the New Testament particularly, you can't separate persistence with patience and patience with persistence. It seems like that they are used together, especially within the book of James. And we see that James uses this term to describe the attitude and action that we should have when we go through difficulty. I don't know about you, but at the best of times, I'm not the most patient person. I think I've had to learn to develop patience in Switzerland. And um, I mean, the one thing that I think I am is, is persistent. But at times, my patience just leaves me very quickly. And then it affects your persistence because we do stupid things when we are not patient. And um, Paul speaks to the church here in Rome and he says, guys, we're going through difficulties as a church because of the persecution that we are facing. And he says, but let's wait patiently for God's deliverance. You see, God has a plan for your life. And within that plan, there is a package called deliverance. There is a package called rescue. There is a timeline that he said that will end this difficulty that you're going through. Because God is the one who provides for you. And Paul is saying, you need to be patient and wait for God to deliver you. You must be patient and wait for God to end the chapter within your life. Don't you try and end the chapter within your life because you'll mess it up. Just another chapter will start with much bigger consequences. He's also saying the devil is very clear and very careful. The devil will give you options out. He's so clever. He's been doing it for thousands of years. If we're not patient, we will step out and take the option that's easiest and oftentimes that's the option that the devil presents you. And that option will not lead you to maturity. God is not involved in that option. And for some of you at the moment, you're going through such trial, and I just feel within my heart that some of you are almost ready to make that decision. And I'm saying to you today, that's not God's plan for your life. That's not the package that he's given to you. The enemy, the devil, who is so sly and so clever, is providing that option for you. Don't take it. Be patient. Be patient. And persevere. Do not give up. You've heard of the patience of Job, haven't you? Well, we could go into the book of Job and look through that. Why does it say the patience of Job? Well, it's very, very, very interesting. You know, it, 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 the devil came to God and said, how about your servant Job? If I give him a hard time, he's going to deny you. And God says, no. He says, you can test Job. And so that's what the devil did. Job lost all of his children 
and all of his wealth in one single day. He then was covered in painful sores and his wife offended him and gave him no support. She even encouraged him to give up and to curse God and then to die. Nice wife to have. When Job's three friends came to comfort him, they could not even recognize him from a distance. He had changed so much. Adding to Job's pain, his friends falsely accused him of wrongdoing and blamed his troubles on his unrepented heart. Who needed enemies with friends like that? Through it all, Job patiently endured. The wonderful thing, when you look at the last chapter of the book of Job, is that God restored all of these things in quick time. But it took Job a long time to trust for God's deliverance. The devil gave him a way out. His friends gave him a way out. His wife gave him a way out. My friends, be careful who you listen to when you're going through a difficult time. Listen to friends. Yes, listen to others. But make sure, most of all, that you listen to God because God is going to say to you, don't give up. Be patient. God restored everything to Job. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God gave Job twice as much as he had. That's God's plan of redemption. My friends, whatever you're going through today, doesn't matter how severe it is, God will restore what the enemy would try to steal for you, even during a time of pain and suffering. Patience keeps us in that place where God's plan comes through for us. I want to encourage you not to give up. I want to close just by looking at Jesus, just how he stayed in the fight. You see, because at the end of the day, Jesus is the perfect example And some of you would say, Pete, I'm not quite going through a Job experience within my life. Yes, I agree. I'm not going quite through a Job experience within my life at the moment either. But I know that I'm going through a Jesus experience within my life, where it's a journey and where there are some things that I need to be aware of and it requires patience within my life. I've got certain goals. I've got goals for our church. I've got goals for our lives as a family, for Jenny and I. But it requires patience. And, and, and Jesus teaches us just how we need to stay in the fight. And so I'll conclude with this. Jesus stayed in the fight, my friends, by focusing on the task at hand. If you need to be patient, What will help you is to focus on the task at hand. For you mothers, yes, it is to care for your children at home. Even during lockdown, even during these difficult times, the task at hand 
is for you to look after your children. God will develop patience within you and there will be a time when things will get a little bit easier. I guarantee you that. I know it. But Jesus, oftentimes, wanted um, or were tempted by people to work outside of the frame, framework of God. And, and at one time, Jesus' mother came to him, and it was at the wedding of Cana, and she wanted him to do a few things that would um, help her in her hour of need, but it required a miracle, and Jesus would have been seen. And, 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 and Jesus looked at his mother, and he said something really profound. He said to her, when she came to him and, and she needed Jesus' help, he said to her, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. Jesus said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business. Don't opt out of the task that is in front of you. It'll keep you in God's plan. It'll cause you not to make decisions that you'd regret. Keep your eyes focused on the task at hand. I've got some of my friends at the moment who are studying German because for South Africans there's a new requirement where people need to have their A1 exam. And so I see a lot of my South African friends studying German. My friends, that's the task at hand. Get through that. It'll stand you in good stead. Focus on the task at hand. One thing you can't afford to do during a time of difficulty is to lose your discipline. And Greg Grishel says, discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. That's pretty cool. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. And what you want most is to focus on the task at hand. It differs for all of us, but focus on that task. Secondly, as we conclude, Jesus stayed in the fight with everything around him by being unhurried. That's just another term for really being patient, living your life in a patient way. Jesus stayed in the fight by being unhurried. Again in John chapter 2 verse 4, um, we see here that um, Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and he replies to her, Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. Jesus was one of the most disciplined people you will know. He didn't just do things because people expected him to do it. He lived his life in an unhurried way. Again, in John chapter 7, verse 8, 
um, at the festival of tabernacles. The disciples wanted him to go up to make himself known. He says, no, 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 I don't want to do that. He says to them, you go to the festival. I'm not going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. I think there are times when we need to say to one another, my time has not yet fully come. That discipline that is involved, that we need to cultivate to not give up, it requires discipline, my friends. And then, thirdly, Jesus just stayed in the fight by trusting his Father. Stick to the task at hand. Cultivate an unhurried life in your life. You'll make better decisions, no doubt. And thirdly, Jesus stayed in the fight by trusting his Father. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 42. He speaks about this. And uh, it's an amazing passage of Scripture that I encourage you to read at home where Jesus finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And whilst he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, the pressure's on him. Sweat dropping from his brow like of blood, the Bible says. And he is in a place where Jesus wants to give up. He wants to opt out. He wants to quit. Because he sees prophetically taking the whole sin of the whole world upon himself. He's absolutely pure. He's spotless. He knows that he's going to be separated from his father in that instance. A severe trial of suffering that he's going through. But this is what Jesus says. My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When we trust our father in the midst of suffering, in the midst of the odds against us, even in the midst of struggling with sin, and if we can come to the father and just say to him, Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, help me to trust you to the point where I would say, your will be done. I want to encourage us as a church to cultivate this habit within our lives when the pressure's really on us to take a step backwards to look at our Father and to say, let your will be done in the midst of this trial. Let's trust him for that in Jesus' name.